Welcome to How to Split a Toaster, a divorce podcast about saving your relationships from True Story FM. Today, looking inside the toaster. Hello, everyone. I'm Seth Nelson. As always, I'm here with my good friend, Pete Wright. You might not like this one today. It's going to be self-reflection, looking inside. What can we do to do to get through a divorce better? And we don't get to blame our soon-to-be ex-spouse, the judge, the lawyer, the mediator, the guardian ad litem, on and on and on. I think this is so important, and I, I think it's important because, uh, like you say, you, you list off all of these people who are in between you and your divorce, and it'd be so easy to reach out and say, things aren't going right because of them. Things aren't going right because they're in the way of the process. They're making it unfair. They're making it hard. Uh, but uh, my question for you is all about, uh, like, responsibility. Like, at what point do you look at your client and say, hey, you got to look inside, man. We're we're trying to move this forward. We're on your side. We're trying to make this happen. You got to do the work. Yeah. And it's so easy to blame others. Now, let me be very clear. There's a lot of reasons to be upset with all those people that we just listed. <laughs> I am not saying that they're perfect and it's all the person going through the divorce. Okay. That's fair. I yeah. can return calls more quickly. Sometimes I get behind and I don't communicate with the client the way I should. So there are all sorts of things that people do that will let you down in this process. So one of them is what are your expectations? of all those different individuals, are they clear? Are they concise? Are they accurate, right? If you have an expectation that you're going to call a lawyer on day one and that they're going to be able to devote the next week only to your case, that's not a reasonable expectation, okay? But really, I'm a firm believer in this. Life is about 5% what happens to you, Pete, and about 95% how you choose to respond to it. I have a I have a dear friend who's a therapist who says repeatedly and often we are the grateful recipients of life's unfairness. Yes, you said that before. It's a great great phrase. I just love it because that is like that that gets to the nut of why we might be approaching this confrontationally, right? That that we things happen that are out of our control and what do we have to do to go inside? And then we put you in a legal system that by definition is adversarial. Yeah, right. Does not care about how you feel. Exactly. So I would tell you the first thing to do when you're having a tough time is identify what the true issue is for you. Whenever we respond to someone and we are upset, it usually has to do more with us than with them. Okay. And what I mean by that is if I say something to you, Pete, that is a joke, you might laugh because of our relationship and that joke doesn't strike a nerve with you. I could tell that same joke to somebody else and it might strike a nerve. 
same joke, same words, but it's received mm-hmm. differently. And that's all about the person receiving it. And in this conversation, we're saying that you're the one receiving the information. So when your lawyer tells you this process is going to take six to 18 months, I have some that cases I can wrap up in two weeks and some that have gone on for five years. Okay. But if you're expecting this to be done in the next two weeks, but you then list out all these other things that are very confrontational in your case, you might be upset about the process. Perfectly acceptable. But if you're mad at the lawyer for giving you straight talk, that's a different issue. Everybody Mm -hmm. is just terrified sometimes to get to yes. So make that list of what's important to you. And you're at mediation. You're going to get really upset at mediation because all the good mediators will tell you. And I had a judge say this in court the other day. A good mediation is when both people walk away really unhappy. (laughs) A good mediation is when both people walk away really unhappy because they've settled more than they thought they would ever bend. So I tell my clients, you're going to be unhappy at the end of mediation and we're going to settle your case. I said, and that's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. You can stop talking to me. You can stop paying me money. I, I literally give people advice not to do things that would put money in my pocket. Seth, I want you to go to court. I want you to do X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, I'm advising you not to do that. This the the whole process of of turning around and recognizing when you're stuck in that pattern though when you're stuck in that pattern of frustration at the process what do you notice about folks that are ready to to look inside and say okay I get it I get it I get it Seth I I finally understand what you've been telling me about the process and how hard it is and I know I've been mad I am now I'm ready to turn myself over to you know may it please the court I don't have those clients <laughs> no. <laughs> I do. We're in trouble. No, I do. I have clients that say, I know what you're going to tell me. You're going to tell me that there's nothing you can do about this, that you're going to advise me not to do whatever I'm asking you to do. Um, you're, I understand that I'm just calling to vent and that this is not legal work and that you're charging me for it. If I hear a client tell me that, I'm actually pleased because now I get that they understand the advice I've been giving them because now their expectation is I'm not going to fix whatever that problem is that day, that week, that month. Okay, so that is self-awareness, right? That's an example of self-awareness. That That's what we're aspiring to. Exactly. Now, it doesn't mean that you're still not upset about it, but then we turn it back and say, now, let's take that to the next step. I love the fact that you just called me and said, Seth, I'm venting. I know that this is anything that you're going to advise me to do. I know that I'm you're billing me for this. I know that this isn't moving my case forward, but it makes me feel better. That's all good. The next step is save your money. Don't call me and say, okay, pretend like you're talking to Seth. Go listen to the podcast for free and get that yeah. advice. You can even talk back to the podcast if you want. We're fine with that. Absolutely. You can throw stuff at the podcast. I don't know what you're going to do or how you're going to do it, but have at it. Um, But that is then the next step, okay? And I certainly have had clients that have issues that bubble up over the years, and they will tell me, I no longer respond the way that I did to my ex-spouse 
that I did when I first met you as my lawyer. Because time kind of heals all wounds. They've learned their own skills to deal with it. They have very low expectations. They realize that all the buttons that have been pushed over time are no longer working on them. You know, the guy's worn them down. He's broken the button. It doesn't work anymore. So getting yourself to that point is very empowering, is very liberating. um, And it just makes your life easier. And people operate out of fear. So you have to really think about what your spouse is telling you that's riling you up, why they're doing it, and whether it's even true. I'm going to fight and take the kids. You'll never see them again. When I hear a client tell me that's what their spouse says, I tell them that's just not going to happen. You don't have to call me. Whenever he says that, it's not going to happen. So I will tell you if there's something to worry about and get upset about. I'll be the first one to tell you we got a problem. If I'm not telling you that, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. That's a that's a funny thing. We we operate, I think, generally, particularly, you know, coming as the Joe Nobody who hasn't been divorced and gone through the legal process of the divorce. I imagine that my my amygdala is going to be on fire, right? Like the the whole experience of going through the divorce is one of fear, like white knuckle fear. And that causes me to fail to check my emotional jurisdiction, right? That's right. Like I, I am not in a place of sanity, but I imagine that the more I go through processes, the more I, I, I can train myself through experience to move to the other side of it, to have these conversations and not be afraid. And that's what makes it hard is you have to do it through experience. Yeah. Which is difficult in and of itself. And let's add a a layer to the fear is they first say, I'm going to take the kids. You're never going to see them again. And that starts to kind of wear off on you. Like, I know that's not true. And then he ups the ante. I talked to my lawyer and he said that I'm going to get the kids. They brought in a third party to validate it, right? And then my phone blows up. Oh, that's what his lawyer says. And then... How often is that true? Like, how often have you said to a client, don't worry, you're going to get the kids? Yeah, that's not how lawyers talk, okay? (laughs) Okay. I mean, if you would have told me at the beginning, if my client would have called and said, his lawyer says that he's going to fight really hard to get the kids, it's going to cost a lot of money, and it really depends on the facts. And you never know what's going to happen. And this judge might be like, (laughs) that's how lawyers talk. Then I would believe it. Right. Yeah, sure. And I am friends with some of my colleagues and I'm colleagues with some of my colleagues and I might not be their friend, but for the most part, I know the advice that they're giving and I'll call them up and I'll say, I wasn't there, but this is what's be reporting. I'm just checking that you and I are on the same page on how we think the law operates in the great state of Florida. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and they'll start laughing and I'll be like, because I'm being reported. And I have a text message from your client to my client that says, you told him that he's going to get 100% to custody. <laughs> and I'm thinking that's not true because in Florida, we use the word time sharing. <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> right. So, and because I I know you as not a militant crazy person. Right. Like we're on the different side of this conversation. Yeah, and so when I have those conversations, 
And I explain this to clients. I want a good lawyer on the other side because a good lawyer is going to be like, Seth, obviously I didn't say that. Let me go talk to my client and try to calm this down and let's quench this fire and not throw more gas on it. Good lawyers in divorce are trying to solve problems. Okay. And the emotional aspect of getting people to be problem solvers when their first reaction is going to be no, whatever the other person says, no. And I'll be like, whoa, that's actually not a bad idea. Let's talk it through. And I'm only going to advise you to do it if I think it's best for you. But being able to take that emotional check and put it to the side and then come to problem solving all makes sense. It's just hard. Well, I, I'm thinking about this in terms of, of uh, well, for lack of a better word, moods, right? There's been a lot of work done on, on just sort of the experience of moods and what moods bring to a conversation. And it's often dismissed, this idea of moods, like, oh, I'm in a bad mood. It's easy to to sort of dismiss the whole idea. But, but being in a mood of antagonism, being in a mood of being just sort of against the system is... Uh, it, it's not in your best interest, right? Finding the ability, the your sort of inner spark to to come to the table in a mood of provocation, of curiosity, of generosity and grace actually would work to your service in in the divorce. And let's add one more: empathy. Empathy, sure, right? So empathy I, to the other side. And here's what I mean by that: sometimes I'll tell people when they're calling me. Because their former spouse, three years later, is doing something absolutely inappropriate, has a new girlfriend, and sends you pictures of him and his new girlfriend. And it's just to get under your skin. That's that's the objective there. And I'm like, oh my God, I feel so sorry for that guy. And my client just starts getting mad at me because it's like I'm taking his side. And uh, they're like, what do you mean? And I said... I actually feel sorry for him. Here he is supposed to be in this new relationship and all he can think about is sending you the photo. What's wrong with this guy? Yeah, right. What, really? What do you think his new girlfriend is going to think about sending you the photo? Like, haven't you gotten over her already? What's going on there? And and then sometimes I hear, yeah, and he's the guy that wanted the divorce. Yeah, right, right. right. Like, so my, my point of that is, no, it's not appropriate behavior. No, I get how that can be upsetting. But if you turn it back on them to realize that there's something really going on wrong over there on the other side of that equation, then it's no longer about you. Right when you look at them and be empathetic, it's no longer about you and it calms your emotions. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I, I'm uh, what I was uh, thinking about as you were talking about this was was uh, uh, trust, and there are a lot of things that you need to learn to trust in this process. Not the least of which is your attorney, right? You hope that you go into a relationship with your attorney as uh, as somebody that you can trust. You got to at some point find a way to trust the process, right? You're eventually going to have to trust the the authority of the judge and the court. Um, 
if you it goes that far, certainly uh, you're going to have to trust your mediator, uh, that your mediator has the best interest of serving the process and, and separation. I, I wonder if some of that antagonism comes as a result of that that inner defensive mechanism of not finding trust in where the process is going. If it's out of your control, you just don't trust it yet. You don't. And, and so it sparks that that sort of antagonistic approach. Well, you raise a good point about trust. And I would differ with what you're saying a little bit, Pete. You don't have to trust the process. And what I mean by that is this process is flawed. I never trust what's going to happen in court. I can tell you very, very specifically what the judge should do and what the law is. And when you apply the law to your case, here should be the outcome. This should be the outcome. And I'm going to give you a range. And sometimes my range is very narrow. And sometimes it's a little wider, depending on the complexity of the law and the complexity of what we'll just put in air quotes as facts. Right. Okay. Right. <laughs> air quotes is I facts. Can, can somebody put that on a t-shirt? We'll put yeah, facts exactly. in air quotes. Yeah, that's good. Right. Because the judge might decide that's not the fact. The judge might decide that the valuation is wrong and therefore it skews the numbers. There's a lot, of, right? There's a lot of things that could go wrong and judges get it wrong. Sometimes they get it wrong. And then you have to go to an appeal court and explain to the appellate court why the other judge got it wrong. Yeah. Okay. So I wouldn't trust that aspect of it. I think trusting your lawyer is key, but that trust has to be earned. Okay. They need to be able to explain the law to, in, to you in a way that you understand it. They need to be able to connect with you. They need to be your lawyer, not your friend, but still making you feel like they have your back, right? And um, they... That attorney-client relationship is so important because I truly believe that when people refer me cases that have been my clients before, it's not about the outcome that I got them. It's about how I helped them through the process. Because I've gone to trial and told the client, here's the range. I think we're going to lose this issue and it's going to be on his side. We've gone to court. We've lost it. It was on his side. And the client told me, Seth, I'm still pleased with what you did. You told me that we had a very slim chance of winning this and we didn't, but you were straight with me from the start. Right. Yeah. And if you can do that, you've set the expectations. So you should be to help your fear, to help your anxiety, to help look inward. You should check your expectations. And one way to do that is to talk to your lawyer and says, what should my expectations be? If that lawyer is not setting, helping you set expectations, we got a problem. But in a way that communicates it to you. And part of the, part of being a good family law attorney is understanding that you need to meet your client where they are. Sure. There's some clients that I know will have false expectations. Their first instance is no, and I can talk them off the ledge in a very forceful way. Stop talking, listen to me. There's other clients I could never say that to. I have to say, hey, let's talk this through. There might be a nugget here that we can build upon for your favor. So, but you understanding yourself and understanding 
like, okay, where am I? And the one thing, Pete, that you said, which I think about moods is very important for people to understand is where are you in the moment that you're having conversations or having difficult times? What is your mood? Sure. I'll a lot of people don't with, know, right? You're, if- they don't know. And it can be as simple as red, yellow, green. Yeah. I am on fire. I don't want to deal with this. Well, I'm warm. Green, I'm ready to go. Let's get this done. Okay. I use that technique when we have team staff meetings. I will go around the table and say, where is everybody in their mood? Are you really here, focused, ready to knock out this case review we're about to do? Or are you kind of like, oh, I'm really stressed about other stuff? Because knowing that helps everybody else kind of empathize a little bit with you and be like, hey, Seth's having a rough day. Well, that is such a that's a, a such a great point. And this is what I was getting to earlier when I talk about like moods being dismissed or diminished. The act of being aware of your mood at a given time, uh, it, whether or not it's related to the case, you may be upset because your dog got hit by a car that morning. It, it doesn't matter you, that it's out really of really going to go with the dog getting hit by a car example. Man, that's horrible. I know you could have come up with something not as traumatic. You know, it could have been my teenager was annoying me because we can all relate to that. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Wait a minute. My dog got hit by a car this morning, but survived and was fine. But it was still really scary. How about that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, No, you're just too much digging. brother. Uh, It could have been I'm really annoyed at my teenager who left the back gate open. And the, and the dog, dog got, got out. out. Yeah, no, that's good. Uh, right. I like that. Blame anyway, the whatever the right. case is, or I got a bill that I didn't expect, you know, my teenager used too much bandwidth. Okay. Right. Uh, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Um, so, uh, so, but knowing that even though it came from outside the context, that influences your performance on any given day. And, and that is, is something that I think it's really important to be aware of and to constantly be asking that question, not just of the people you're with and your team, but of yourself. And I, I think that's a, to me, that's something it feels like if, if we've learned anything from all of these episodes we've talked about, the, the closer a relationship you can come with yourself and bring to the table, uh, the sooner your divorce process will be resolved. Absolutely. And it will just make it easier for you. Right. So I tell people this all the time. It's so hard. Live your life, not your divorce. So give me 30 minutes a day to get some documents done. Can you give me 30 minutes? Okay. But when you are out there with your girlfriends, have fun with your girlfriends. Like when they say, what's going on in the divorce? Like, I don't want to talk about it. I'm here to have a good time. You know, and it's not that you never share that stuff, but when you're, in your lawyer's office, you need to get the documents, boom, 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 boom. But what happens is it, it's, you always have to deal with your ex. There's something's going on. You're living in the same house. So it's always right in front of you. So whatever you can do to like set that aside and go live your life and look, you're hiring the lawyer to carry the heavy rocks. So ask him, what should I be worried about? Tell me when I should be worried. In the meantime, I'm going to let you handle it. And I'm not saying ignorance is bliss. I'm just saying there's a time to focus on it and there's a time not to focus on it. How do, how does it work when, or, or I should say, do you notice when, say, your client is being super introspective and aware and their soon-to-be former spouse is not or, uh, or vice versa? And, and do, those, do those sides generally balance out when you're coming to the table in a divorce process? 
I see it all the time. And it's not just one side or the other. It could switch on a day to day. It's not linear. People are going through grief. So sometimes I'll catch a client and they're grieving and they're in the bargaining. I just want this done, Seth. Get me out of this. I'll give up everything. And I'll be like, whoa, let's slow down. They might be in the fight mood. There's no way. I want the blender. (laughs) I want the toaster. I'm tired of giving. I've given enough. That's my favorite toaster. I bought it. It came from my parents for a wedding gift. It's mine. Like, I'll have that. And then I'll have the just resigned to this. Like, God, all right, just can we get me out of this? Like, and I'm always like, yeah, I can get you out of this. It agreed to their last offer. And they're like, well, I don't want to do that. I'm like, well, there's the rub. That's what I deal with. Yeah. So it, it, it comes and goes. But understanding that you can come and go. But when I have clients, and I have a lot of them, because I talk about this with clients, they'll check in with me. They'll repeat this back to me. They'll tell me, I'm getting better. I'm not where I need to be, Seth, but I'm getting better. And I can see the progress. And it might be a smidgen of a step, but it's happening. Okay. So that would be one thing. Check where you are. Go back to that list. Early on in season one, we talked about making a list of what's important to you. Mm -hmm. If what the other side is trying to push your buttons on isn't important to you, but you're so wrapped up into it, you kind of forgot your list, go back and check. And then if you realize, wait a minute, this now is important to me, we can change. That list isn't in stone, but make sure that this is something worth fighting about. Take that list, pin it up over your computer, someplace where you look at it all the time to remind you to internalize it. Right. Yeah. I just say, I think about that when I talk about my, like, when I think about, like, when I'm in an argument with my wife, right? And, and I find she's right. I'm Pete, always, Pete, she's right. Always. Right. But, and right. that's the whole idea. Like, I, I find when I am not checking in with myself, when I'm not coming to it with a mood of generosity and empathy, uh, that, uh, her approach usually balances me out. Like we, we tend to find equilibrium when one of us does come from a, a mood like that. And so I, I imagine that, that, um, that holds true. It does. And the problem is, is if one person is always doing the attack and the other one's always balancing, they get to the point where like, I'm done, I'm yeah. done compromising. I'm done always doing the hard work. I'm not even going to be in a relationship. Yeah. You have a, you have a, a very good reason to try to work that out with your wife, you're still married and you don't want to be hiring me. Sure. Okay. It's a lot harder when you're actually trying to separate your lives. Right. right. So, um, and I'm not saying that the other person is right. Let me be very clear. It doesn't matter if they're right is my point. It's all about how we're going to deal with it. Okay. Because they will do everything they can to scare you, to get what they want, to manipulate you. And why? Because they're scared. Yeah. The other side is scared too. This doesn't happen on one side of the equation. Okay. They're scared of giving up control. Most cases end up settling. If you're dealing with this, when the playing field gets leveled, somebody has more control in a, in a, in divorce than the other. Maybe it's a person with a spouse or with the money. Maybe it's the spouse that has a better connection with the kids. But if I go to court, and I get the spouse with the money having to pay some temporary alimony and I just equal that playing field and they just had a stroke of check for 20 grand for my fees and we kind of tap popped them once in court, maybe that changes the dynamics a little bit. Yeah. 
Now, the reverse is true. You're the one that's been raising the children. You go to court on a temporary basis, and all of a sudden, the judge on a one-hour hearing gives the kids to your ex for every other weekend, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, and every Thursday overnight. Now, you just gave up five overnights out of 14, and you've been with these children since day one. Maybe we have to think about how we're going to settle this case now. Right. That might even the playing field on the kids. And I'm not saying that any of the decisions that the judge just made were right. Right. I'm just saying those are the decisions that have been made. And how are we going to respond as opposed to react? And I think this with thought response reaction without thought is really the key. And it's hard. I don't want anyone to misunderstand what I'm saying, Pete. This is not easy. People will tell you dealing with death, a new job, moving, and divorce are the toughest things we deal with in life. And in divorce, you might be having to get a new job, you might be moving, and you're obviously going through a divorce. So that could be three out of the four wrapped up in one. Right. So I'm not saying this is easy. I'm just saying take a deep breath. Let's think about this a little bit. And I'm going to tell you a trick. That's why I just paused. I'm going to give away one of my secrets here. Okay. okay. Excellent. When I'm working with a client who gets really emotional, in every meeting that I schedule, I focus to review some of the numbers, whether it's a child support calculation, whether it's equitable distribution, dividing up assets and values and, and debts and what the values are of those items, whether it's an alimony calculation. Because when you do math, it is the analytical part of your brain and it cuts out of the emotional part. That is so sneaky, Seth Nelson. So what I will do is we'll be talking about kid issues. They'll be getting emotional. I, I've been there. I get it. Yeah. And I'll say, look, let's look at the calendar and go over the number of days. And I'll say, let's work out of a 14-day period, two weeks. Boom, I'll put it on the screen. I'll be like, count how many days you have here. I want to make sure I'm doing it right. Make sure we're communicating. And they'll be like, okay, every other weekend, that's three, four, five, six. Yep. Boom. Just that little bit changes what's happening in our mind. And we can pause a little bit. That's beautiful. Right? Yeah. And then I'll show them different scenarios on what a 50-50 time sharing looks like. So don't worry about 50-50. That's not really your concern. There's 50-50 schedules, I promise you, he would not implement. Your kid is 10 years old. We got eight more years. You get the first four. He gets the second four. We're not implementing that Right, that's a ridiculous 50-50. Yeah. Right. So there's little things that you can do as silly as do some math in your head to calm yourself down that no one would ever see when you sit there and do two plus two equals four, four plus four equals eight. It will help calm you down now try it if it works great if it doesn't work you heard it from pete so that's (laughs) as goes with everything on this show Uh, this is great. I hope uh, I hope you're listening to this and you're you're taking some pieces away, uh, particularly around this this idea of introspection and and uh, you know respond not react. Those are uh, th- this we're trying to grease the skids through the divorce process and doing the inner work is going to help you achieve the outer goal. 
Absolutely. And another thing I would tell you to do, it goes back to season one, make a list. You got your phone, get a little note thing out, make your list and be like, oh, this is bugging me. Put it in the list. I'm going to talk to the lawyer about it or I have to get my new health insurance number or whatever it is you have to do and then put it away. Yeah. Go enjoy a glass of wine with your friends. Thank you, everybody, for downloading and listening to this show. We sure appreciate you and your time and your attention. On behalf of the fantastic Seth Nelson, just handsome, handsome Seth Nelson. I could certainly say that. Well, I was thinking like I was waiting for the joke to drop after fantastic. <laughs> like That's why I was so quiet, which is so rare for me. And I was like, then you said handsome. And I'm like, yeah, it's a podcast. There's the joke. That one away. <laughs> face made for podcasts you know i mean so yeah on behalf of the uh, mind reading uh, seth nelson i'm pete wright we'll catch you next time on how to split a toaster a divorce podcast about saving your relationships seth nelson is an attorney with nelson coster family law and mediation with offices in tampa florida While we may be discussing family law topics, how to split a toaster is not intended to, nor is it providing legal advice. Every situation is different. If you have specific questions regarding your situation, please seek your own legal counsel with an attorney licensed to practice law in your jurisdiction. Pete Wright is not an attorney or employee of Nelson Coster. Seth Nelson is licensed to practice law in Florida.